Today on Elevate Ordinary, Father Peter and I are going to continue our discussion on the virtues. We're going to step back and look at the theological virtues, which is the sea, this Christian contextual sea within which we practice the life of virtue. We'll talk to you in a moment. Back to Elevate Ordinary. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi, and I'm here with my guest host, bro host, Father Peter Grodi. Thank you, brother of mine. Thank you, brother of mine. Yes. Yeah. And we're back with uh, an, another extraordinary, hopefully, conversation about the ordinary pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty. We thank you for joining us for this conversation. Today, we're going to continue what we were talking about last time on this show. We, 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 we were contrasting uh, vices and virtues as habits and looking mm-hmm. at the, they're, they're really different phenomenon altogether. We had a good discussion about that. But at the very end, you know, we, we we highlighted this important topic that we need to turn to next, which is that the Christian has a, a unique and important insight into the life of virtue, which is that um, we are dependent on God and his grace. And whether you know it or not, like to, to grow in virtue, to pursue the good, you depend on God's grace. And the more that you lean into that, uh, that life of the theological virtues, um, well, only to the degree that you do that will you find success. So we're going to dig in that today, but I want to remind you as always that if you like what we're doing on this show, please visit elevateordinary.com where you can learn how to support the show and become a patron. There's a lot, there's uh, different ways you can support us and, and you know, perks and, and things to go along with that. But most importantly, uh, you can join our patron community, the Manor at St. Anne's, where we'll uh, soon going to be starting a book study on C.S. Lewis's That Hideous Strength, the third book of his uh, sci-fi space trilogy uh, and the book uh, from which the manor at St. Anne's as a title and a concept and a spirituality is derived. If that sounds at all interesting to you, check out our patron community at elevateordinary.com and the way to get access to that community as well as other shows on Awaken Catholic and lots of other good stuff is via the Awaken app. That's the awakenapp.io. So check that out and download it. And um, that's all I need to say for now, right? Yeah. So today on Elevate Ordinary, we're going to dig a little deeper into what we were talking about when we left off last time. I mean, so on the one hand, we're, we're big proponents of virtue on the show, and we're talking about it in the context of the Christian life. Um, but it's, it's such an important caveat, not a caveat, but a context to put around the virtues, especially once you've dug into them and you're getting excited about them. They're becoming a, a better lens with which to analyze yourself and your life to recognize that we must never forget the ground that these have to be rooted in, the, mm-hmm. the fertile soil that our active life as Christians has to grow out of. Yeah. It's interesting you you said talking about the virtues in the context of our Christian life because what does it mean to talk about the virtues outside of a context of our Christian life? Because that in some ways gets to what, what the relationship of the theological virtues with yeah. the human virtues sure. is. So Yeah. Well, I mean, like the way I would think about that is that well, so let me back up one step. Yeah, yeah. I always th- think it's interesting that um, certainly non-Christians think this way, mm-hmm. but Christians often do too. They often think of the world as as being compartmentalized. Like when I'm being Christian or mm-hmm. I'm going to church or we're having theological discussions, we're kind of in the Christian universe and there's a God and there's grace and there's actual sin. And by, but that there's other parts of life where that's like not in effect or mm-hmm. whether it's kind of an open. And the reality is not like, like if God is God – then he's 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 always there, and even the person yeah. who doesn't believe in God, they're operating 
unconsciously in the presence of God mm-hmm. and they're they're you know in their heart in their mind whatever they understand or don't understand it's happening in the universe that God created the more we become aware of that um i i like to think about <laughs> i like i don't like to think about but i do because well let's be honest it's, it's entirely unpleasant sometimes to realize like how unintentional my life can be sometimes but mm. I like to think about sometimes uh, the most monotonous things that I do or the most seemingly like un uh non-relevant things to my you know Christian life that I do mm-hmm. and to start thinking like how how is this related to my Christian life you mm-hmm. know so for instance like let's just take some random example you know let's let's say all right it's a Saturday afternoon or I will say Tuesday afternoon since it's my day off Tuesday afternoon, don't have too much going on. Been doing like maybe I did some good stuff that morning. And anyway, I don't really have anything I need to do. And I was and I'm like, you know what? I kind of feel um I I'm hankering for some potato chips or something like that, you know? And so I decide to go down to the gas station and I get some potato chips and I come back home and I eat those potato chips. Was is there anything about that whole situation that is relevant to my Christian life? The answer is yes. <laughs> but the point is like how? How do we analyze a situation like that? How do we begin being intentional with our, in our lives about even just some of the most monotonous and seemingly seemingly morally uh, innocuous situations like right. that? And part of it is not that judging whether it's good or bad. I mean we should be doing that with regards to pretty much everything we do. But mm-hmm. it's it's not even about that. It's also – it's about the intentionality with which you do things mm-hmm. and how do you let how do you begin cultivating a lifestyle such that everything that you do has an intentionality to it where you're honestly trying to pursue not only the good you know not only like not doing bad things in your life but pursuing the good yeah. and and doing it in an intentional way with everything that you do right. and in that context there's nothing outside of that scope right. there there's no thing that you do that is outside of the scope of being able to be intentional about and sometimes some things that normally would just that would normally would be perfectly acceptable and fine and mm-hmm. even good um done without like that intentionality can become uh, just another barrier for us or yeah. can be at least not a very good thing I, I don't know how to you can think of examples i'm sure about that but well again so this is why we always go back to it's such a unique and important keystone to understanding all this to keep in our mind the, the importance of the virtue of prudence here because prudence is this this hinge point between a life, an unintentional life, and an un, an intentional life, mm. an, uh, a reactive versus an active life, an undeliberate versus a deliberate life, the unexamined versus the examined. <laughs> I was just thinking about all so the, we've all right. A lot yeah. of us probably have seen the you know seen the show or at least listened to the music of Wicked or something. Mm. Uh, the, the show, the musical of Wicked, and it's funny because I remember like back in our you know shared childhood, mm-hmm. um, bro, oh brother of mine, oh, brother, um, of, mine, yes. brother of mine. <laughs> <laughs> we remember, oh brother of mine, our time in high school. Yay yes. verily, yay verily, yes. yay verily. When we would singeth out, uh, you know, the glorious days. Um, post haste. Continue. Post haste. Continue. Why did we? What does that I even mean? Post haste. Is that after haste? I did. That. Like beyond haste. It's like when know. you're breathing anyway. hard after you've been running. You mouth breather. Get out of here. Okay. Um, the but we would like we we liked the music and everything, and we would sing that song. I remember like I remember particularly. I have like these images of us like. 
being with a bunch of friends and everything and singing that song, the the unexamined life, you know, song, dancing through life, you know. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, yeah, this is super happy. It's so fun, everything, so dancing through life, all this stuff. Yeah. And it's funny, like, the older I go, the more I think back on that song, I'm like, that song. <laughs> it's just, it, it makes me feel sick to my stomach these days. Right. You know, it's still, like, an enjoyable song in some ways, but in terms of, like, and, and I, you know what, that's what they're trying to get to, though, in that song. You mm-hmm. just don't quite realize it. There's a little it, bit of maybe. irony there. There's a bit yeah. of irony, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but but that's the whole thing, is that living the unexamined life mm-hmm. is is not is not better. It is not more enjoyable. It is is awful, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, anyway. and so, and again, prudence is this portal, it's this hinge point, and it's it's an it's an important like um, intersection point in a bunch of different ways. It's this this division between virtue and vice, but also in prudence is the place where the the active life of the Christian or of any person who's trying to do the good. It's that hinge point between the the, the underlying grace that enables them to do any good whatsoever and their active life. And so let's put this in a specifically Christian context. As as Christians, we know that God is the Lord. We know that he's given us grace. We know that it all comes from him. We know that we are redeemed in Jesus Christ. We know that in him we have the grace to be able to pursue the good. So we have a conscious engagement with the the life before the active life, the life of, we might say, the theological virtues. Like we receive from God the ability to trust God, the ability to put our hope, a holy hope, in his goodness and and the ability to love a bit like he loves and to love him that's that comes before our ability to do any good because if we don't have any of that then we have no we, we we don't we don't have the grace we don't have the orientation to pursue the good at all now again bringing this back to where we we began it's interesting that the the understanding of the cardinal virtues came pre-Christian. It came from the Greeks, the philosophers, and they understood it at a human level that, hey, we're oriented toward the good and we can pursue it and we can attain, you know, uh, uh, habits of soul by which we, you know, our humanity sort of flowers and we, and we, greater freedom and creativity as we talked about last time. But what the Christian now recognizes is the greater context that we're swimming in this sea of grace and we are in that context of grace, whether we know it or not. The Christian knows it and can engage it more consciously. They can go to prayer every day and lean into that source of grace that, hey, this all comes for God. It has to come from God. The non-Christian, the person who doesn't recognize that, they're still in that context. And that's why every person, on the one hand, a person who doesn't know the gospel, there may be a level of invincible ignorance. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, we never can presume on that because everyone has that, that, uh, that inclination that notion that the good ought to be done and the evil avoided. And that's why even the non-Christian pagan Greek philosopher can, can sense this upward call to be virtuous mm-hmm. and they can begin to act on that. Now, again, the key here is they're not acting apart from grace. If they're doing good, if they're growing in virtue, then they are leaning into grace just in a way that they don't fully understand. And we give glory to God for that when mm-hmm. it happens. But we as Christians know the source of that grace we have a greater responsibility and right. opportunity to lean into it and yeah. to invite others into it as yeah, well. And I think that's, that's a key thing yeah. is that, uh, as Christ says, you know, with, um, to, to him who, who much is given, much is expected. Right. And, right. and because we, as Christians, we know the source of that grace. Mm-hmm. I think we will find, <laughs> we, we will find that our, our lives do not work out. Our, our pursuit of virtue and our pursuit of, uh, Pursuit of both natural virtue and supernatural virtue 
it, it really just falls quite flat so quickly if we do not intentionally seek God's grace in that. Right. And, and part of that is because we know the source. And so not going to that source and seeking for that, that constant help um, is, is, is much more of a deliberate, not de- exactly deliberate, but is much more of a choosing away from grace rather than for someone who doesn't even necessarily know it's there, but is trying to do the good in their mm-hmm. life, you know? And so uh, it's just so much more important. And it, it's just because we know that it's important. Yeah. It, it's, um, we have that responsibility, right? you know? Let's talk about the theological virtues here for a moment. Again, I don't have my catechism in front of me, so I can't give you the full definitions from Gosh, the catechism. But we can again, we can approximate them, right? We know what faith faith is: this gift of God, this grace to be able to 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 believe and trust in our Lord Jesus Christ. We were able to put to, to trust in God. Okay, we're able to believe what He has revealed to us, and it's it's a supernatural virtue. It's not something we can manifest merely on the human level. It's a response to God's grace. We're able to put faith in God. We're able to have this relationship. And one way to think of all the three uh, theological virtues is they're the virtues, they're the gift of God, of the the, the ability to go into relationship with him. Hmm. Like it's this invitation to enter into relationship with the source of that grace. Again, the, the non-Christian is in the context of grace, but the Christian has been invited into this relationship in this, in this concrete way. Uh, and so... We can't manufacture these virtues, but they're a gift to us through the, the sacraments, through our baptism, and we can lean into them. And again, this is one of the, always one of the key reasons why prudence is so important because so many times in our life we recognize precisely the, the, the prudent person who's, who's sort of standing up and being aware of his life is recognizing, oh, I've been doubling down on the active life and I'm trusting myself too much and I actually what I need to do is – is I need to lean more into God. Like mm-hmm. I need more prayer. I need to, I need more, I need heart surgery. I need God to work on me. Mm-hmm. Otherwise I'm going to, my, my, even my practice of virtue is actually going to, to descend, to denigrate down into just another exercise of my pride. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I, I think. We had a yeah, great conversation about Martha and Mary the other day, yes. which will probably, maybe we should save that for another episode right. to really dig deep into that. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, we talked about, Essentially, how it, it it doesn't really come down to the fact that Martha is active and Mary is passive or contemplative, or contemplative yeah, you know, as right, it may be in that right. moment. But it seems like it's more significant to talk about to to show in there how Martha her act her activeness is done in the context of that just kind of constant anxiety and and preoccupation with all these different things that basically, in a sense, keeps her unable to listen to Christ while she's doing it. Right. You know, and and that's more along the lines of what we're where we're getting here is that right. just just kind of doubling down on that action and focusing on our kind of our own strength and our own ability to sort of take control of things in our life and just becoming so wrapped up in that in such a way that we sort of lose that constant practice of the presence of Christ in those right. moments is is how we 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 lose touch with that grace and therefore lose touch with the source of what is going to make any of the good things that we do fruitful. Right. So. And it's so easy. And this yeah. is why this is this is why we got to the end of the episode last time and I was like, you know what? I know exactly what we need to talk about next. Because the the as soon as the you know, and it's a good impulse, as soon as you you are prompted by grace to be more intentional, be more active in your life, to take to take take life by the horns and say, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna start, I'm gonna buckle down. I'm not gonna keep messing around here. Lord, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something good with my life. Well, as soon as you do that, then there's pitfalls. Hmm. And one of the primary underlying pitfalls being both our 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 moments of failure and vice and sin 
as well as our moments of some success, some fruit, they can both be occasions either for uh, pride mm-hmm. or humility. They're going to they're go one way or the other. Say that, all that, say that okay. Again. Say that so again. our oper- like the, when we when we engage in the active life, sometimes we're going to fail. You know, we're going to fail to do the good. We're going to sin, whatever. Sometimes we're going to have some modicum. Oh, I was pretty nice to my kids today. I, you know, I was pretty diligent at work today. Well, then suddenly after that action, there's a, a follow. There's a next step, and it's a question of how do we interpret that. Because we either interpret either of those situations as as reasons to hold more tightly to my own strength. I got to try harder. I'm going to do more. I got this on my own. Or humility. Actually, let's let's leave humility for aside for a moment. On the side of vice, let's let's clarify. Obviously, we can see why it's easy when we experience a modicum of some success, like we make some some progress. It's easy to see how we can forget that this all comes from God. It's all grace. And we can lean into a greater self-reliance, a self-pride. But it also happens when we sin too, mm-hmm. right? When we sin, that should be this moment where we turn more to God for his mercy, more to him for help, in greater humility toward him. But oftentimes when we sin, what's our reaction? I did it again. It's terrible. I got to try harder. I got to be more self-disciplined, more virtue, rah, rah, rah. Mm-hmm. And that in the end only undercuts itself because yeah. in both ways, we're leaning more into pride, the self-love, self-reliance, and and away from those theological virtues, the faith, hope, and love in, in God. Yeah. yeah. You know, when we're struggling with the vice in our life and that we're really trying to change, when we begin approaching it in our hearts is, well, all right, you know, like we get to that space, whether it's like something like pornography mm-hmm. or just laziness or whatever it happens to be or struggling against like the vice of just turning towards you know media or television and with all of our with our free time that we should be doing with other things or whatever happens to be whatever we're really struggling with that we're intemperate with you know or or, or have too great of an attachment with yeah. when we get into that space and sometimes we think when you like just really build up our kind of personal motivation and psych ourselves up and be like all right i'm going to resist this time i'm going to do it and and we maybe double down in a way that just focuses in on ourselves and our, in our own power and strength. Mm-hmm. I think the devil just laughs. Yeah. I and mean, he just laughs at us. Cause he's like, just give me a little, got him, got him, got him good. <laughs> got him good. It's a done deal. You yeah. know? Um, because he knows that, that we're just kind of trying to hold back from something by our own strength mm-hmm. and just given enough time, right. An hour or two, or whatever. All he has to do is wait. All he's got to do is wait. Yeah, if we and proceed down that road. Yeah, right. we proceed down that road. Because it's like our strength, which is so limited, that we're just kind of holding, holding out. And it's in that, and that, that is an attitude of pride, right? But then that quickly turns into a slightly different attitude of pride. That's the same pride overall. Mm-hmm. And it's the, we get to the end of our strength. And then, because it's the end of our strength, we give up. Mm-hmm. We're still relying on our own strength. And because our own strength has failed, then we think there's no there's no then alternative but to despair. Right. Right. So it's just, it's once again, just another side of that pride of saying, my strength is all there is. And if I can't get it done, then there's nothing to be done. Or, you know, right. if I can't hold out then there's nothing to be done extra, Right. you know, and, and he's just, the devil just laughs because right. he just knows all it takes is a little time. Yeah. Pride goeth before the fall. That's the famous maxim. I don't go, know where that comes and, from. And goeth into the fall. Shakespeare. Well, we, we tend to yeah. think when we hear that, we tend to think, oh, pride goeth before the fall. It means that, that uh, that arrogant person's going to get what's coming to him, or like, like there's going to be some sort of like karma karma response to them, kind of swaggering. 
there may be some of that, but it's, it's more of a, a spiritual law that it's just the nature of, of the human person. If you, to, to rely on yourself in a prideful way, in other words, to the degree that your pride, because pride is, a, is, is one of those words too, where it, it, it's got a range of meanings, but pride in the, in the negative and the sinful sense, in the sense that it's, that you are pulling away from a reliance on God's grace. Um, it, it's, it goes before the fall because it's going to lead to a fall. It's going it, to, and another thing about pride, we've talked about it briefly here, Teresa and I, and you and I have on a different show explored this a little bit, but pride and the, the connection between pride and despair or sloth, that the, the self love that is pride, the self reliance is also part and parcel in the other side of the same coin of, of a self loathing, of a self hatred, of a despair. They both, they're connected and they both hate reality. Like pride will not accept the reality of who I am and who God is, but neither will despair. You know, they'll, mm-hmm. pride won't accept the justice of God. Despair won't accept, accept the mercy of God, but they're both different ways of embracing an unreality. And that's, again, that's why prudence is always this first step of trying to turn to reality. Um, but again, we think about the active life. If we allow them to, both are, are moments of, of, of positive movement forward in the life of virtue, as well as our mistakes, it's very easy for to allow both of those to simply become occasions of pride mm-hmm. leading to despair. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm going to, I'm just holding tighter to myself. It doesn't have to be that way, but it can be. And it, and it can be that way, especially if we're not ready for it. We get all psyched up. We're ready. I'm going to build virtue. I'm going to do good now. And lo and behold, I'm only more attached to myself. I'm more self-reliant, you know, um, but it's, it doesn't have to be that way. No. Nope. And that's the, you know, if we, if we're attuned to the Christian tradition, the, the great writers, the doctors of the church, the saints, again, they always draw us back to like, we, we have to have a foundation in prayer in, in our life before our active life. It's not a balance between those two. That's an important point mm-hmm. to make here. It's not a balance between, oh, I'm going to be really act, try really hard, but I'm also going to trust God really hard. No, it's like one of those comes first, and mm-hmm. the order is very, very important. It's mm-hmm. eternally important mm-hmm. of which one of those comes first. Um, prayer has to be the foundation for our life because prayer is where we we lean into the source of grace. We expose ourselves to God. We give ourselves to God. We um, we grow in humility, which is sort of the intellectual embrace of who God is and who I am. Mm-hmm. That's what that's humility is. And I mean, it's interesting to think of humility as the counter to both pride and despair. Yes. Right. Because humility is accepting the truth of who God is and who I am and pride and despair in in different ways are, are, are rejecting that truth. They're trying to hide Mm -hmm. from that truth of who God is and who I am. Yeah. Yeah. In front of me, but I think Dr. Peter Kraft made the point that um, humility is, is I'm sorry, uh, despair is sort of a false humility, Mm -hmm. Right. Actually, I'll pull it up here because I do have it someplace. Yeah. A big thanks to Select International Tours for sponsoring this episode of Elevate Ordinary. Check them out at selectinternationaltours.com for your next spiritual pilgrimage. You you have a quote you're about to give. But I've been trying to practice something recently in the last few days. So, yeah, obviously Mm. it has not become a trend in my life yet, but (laughs) we're working on it. I've just like... It's been trying to be more intentional about asking for God's grace in intentional, specific ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And last couple of days, like, I wake up in the morning and I, I do not have very good self-discipline in the morning. I'm working on it. But 
one of the things I've been working on doing is just kind of thinking throughout the different portions, thinking of the different portions of the day and what those portions are going to look like. Okay. So like, you know, this morning I was thinking, okay, I'm up now. I have like a couple hours before I got to, I'm going to go and do this podcast with John Mark. And then that'll go for, you know, about this many hours. And then I'll have this portion in the afternoon where I have free time. And these are a very variety of things that maybe I should be doing with my time. I could get to like exercise and reading and things like that. And I just kind of walked through all those pieces, those portions of the day. And I just asked like, Lord, I need your grace so much Mm. when it comes to this. Like, Lord, help me to do this. Help me to be strong enough when I get to that moment in the day. Help me to be strong enough to do this. Give me your strength to let me do, you know, X, Y, or Z. Um, Because I recognize that so often the time I kind of get up and I sort of think through the day. And then I'm just like, all right. I'm going to psych myself up and I'm going to be disciplined today. And like, I look through all the day. I'm like, I'm going to do this at this point, this at this point, this and this point. And then it's like, you just get halfway through the day and it's just all flown out the window because it was just like, it was all on my motivation in that moment that I was trying to kind of place my strength and, uh, and place my, basically place whether I was going to succeed or not, you know? And, yeah. and I just, we just have, we, we need to be intentional. We need to be so intentional about asking for God's grace specifically, you know, um, in, in different ways and, and not even just doing it at the beginning day, but just letting yeah. that be the beginning. And then as we go through the day, just returning to that constantly. So, right. yeah, that habit, that habit of lean That's why I guess in that sense, that's why the theological virtues are virtues and, and prudence kind of, you know, turning to those because we make it a habit of returning to God. So that, you know, again, whether it's our, our moments of temporary success or our failures, mm. we're trying to make the, the more important thing is that we're making a habit of returning to God. It's a, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a, a habituation. Conversion. It, conversion. It's conversion. It's a habituation of an attitude. Mm-hmm. One might even call it a habitude. Oh, mm, got him. I like it. Yeah. More, more. Add that to ideas. the stars. Yeah. I found that, found the quote here. So this is uh, Dr. Peter Kraft. He writes, uh, the opponent of pride is not despair. Again, we have those we have those two things. But humility or poverty of spirit. Pride and despair are twin brothers. They do not exclude each other, but encourage each other. There is a secret pride in despair, a tragic grandeur, an overweening claim unfulfilled. And there is a secret despair at being human in pride's demand to play God. Humility is the opponent of both. It keeps us from despair as well as from pride. The greatest virtue keeps us from the greatest vice. Again, it, it's exactly as you're talking about. When we when we think about our day, when we go out of the active life, we we experience those moments when we feel good. We've made some success. We've made some progress, and we have those moments where everything falls apart, you know, or we we sin or we we fall back into an old pattern. The, the question, whether we have humility, whether we're growing in that key, uh, again, another of these keystone virtues here connected with prudence, I think, is whether we, we those occasions become moments of, of um, cementing a habit of turning more inward in pride and despair, or whether even those moments of failure are moments to, to flee back to God, mm-hmm. to, return, to, be, to return to God more convicted of our need for him, more convicted of our need for grace, more convicted of our need for healing more convicted that our, our power only comes from God, you know, that, that works in, in us. It only comes from God. And again, it's, it's it kind of exciting because like you can't, you're not going to, you're not going to, this side of heaven, you're not going to be perfect. You're yeah. going to keep having 
uh, discouragements. You're, you're going to keep having sins. You're going to keep having imperfections. But even those, by humility, you know, which opens us up to, the, to leaning into the theological virtues, can become moments, opportunities, occasions for greater uh, greater reliance on God's grace. Yeah, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. Right. It's just about whether we avail ourselves of it, you know. And one of the things that uh, you know, in that book that we've both been reading, that yeah. the, the twelve steps for Christians, because mm-hmm. we've been interested, you know, and you've been doing your podcast with Brother Rex, mm-hmm. kind of walking through the twelve steps of the Alcoholics Anonymous program and showing how basically they're just kind of a methodology for just embracing the gospel. You, know, you can check that out over uh, just real quickly. Yeah, deep, deep in Christ. Com. I've been. It's a, a different show over at the Coming Home Network International. Brother Rex Norris, a diocesan hermit, and I are walking through and studying the the spirituality of the twelve steps. And it's exactly on this topic yeah. we're talking about today. One of the things that yeah, one of th- one part in the book I remember reading, and it was it was kind of like taking, uh, it was kind of an examination of life type of part, portion of the book, and it yeah. was it was kind of walking through, kind of trying to help you point out and maybe some of the wounds that are in your life and things like that. And remember one of the things that one of the questions that I asked, and I was kind of fascinated by this at the time because I was like, oh man, I do do that. I actually do that. Um, is this says like, do you call yourself stupid a lot? Hmm. And I was like, well, that's interesting. And I recognized like, you know, I do when I fall into sin. And then like, I finally get to that moment where I'm like, gosh, like, I did it again. Like, you know, you've kind of gotten out of the initial, like sort of just giving yourself to it, you mm-hmm. know, moment. And then you're like, you're on the other side of it and, and you're just like, gosh, I'm so stupid. I did it again. And you're mm-hmm. like, you just constantly, you're just going back to your me, own me, self. Me, 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 And it's like, it's all just so, <laughs> it's focus again once again on how I failed, how my strength failed. Yeah. And therefore, and then like trying to remedy that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Woe is me. <laughs> trying to remedy that by kind of like rekindling the fire of that strength <laughs> on my own accord. And yeah. it's just like, and once again, like as we talked about a little bit ago, yeah. the devil just sits there and laughs at you. Well, like, it, 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 this is why, yeah. the, the, again, check out that deepinchrist.com, that study, because the, the first step of the 12 steps of recovery, if you're not familiar with it, is we admitted we were powerless uh, and that our lives had become unmanageable. Yep. And again, we always, it's, that's part of our study is, is like, it's so funny how we always think that that's somebody else. Somebody out there has real problems, man, but I'm not powerless. My life isn't unmanageable, but like, if we really are honest with ourselves and we examine our, our sins, our vices, we recognize, no, like that's, that's us. Like I, the more I lean into me and my projects and trying to manage my life. And when I make mistakes, I'm going to fix it. Me, 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 I, 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 that's only a source of weakness. Right. Because it's leaning into an unreality, mm-hmm. a reality that somehow I can live and exist and be good apart from God. And you can't. And the, the this key turning point of the gospel, if you look at the gospel, Christ points out that he came for sinners and not for the righteous. And he always makes this distinction between the sinners and the righteous. And, of course, the irony of the gospel is there, there aren't really the two groups. Right. There's just those who finally come to Jesus on their knees and say, Lord, Jesus, son of David— I want to be healed. Mm-hmm. I want to see. I want to walk. I want to be free from my sin. Yeah. Those are the people that he came yeah. for. When he makes the distinction, when he gives the you know the, the the story of the tax collector versus the Pharisee, he's not pointing at all these other things and any of these other things that we might think of. Why the tax collector isn't heard by God, right. and the, or why the tax collector is heard by God and the Pharisee isn't. Ultimately, it just comes down to the fact that that the tax collector and all the things he prays, he does good stuff with his life, mm-hmm. and and he's. 
in the sense, he's not wrong to recognize that in the sense that you do good stuff and that's good. You should be able to recognize it as good. I think we, that's part of life is being able to recognize the good and the bad. That's good. That's mm-hmm. a good thing to be mm-hmm. able to do. Right. Um, but the point is that he, he never once in that prayer that he makes to God. The Pharisee? Yeah, the yeah. Pharisee. He mm-hmm. never once, thank you, thank you. He never once in that prayer that he makes to God admits his own sinfulness and his need for constant healing. Mm-hmm. And that is the primary distinction between the two. Yeah. You know, um, and the, the, the reason why, why is it so hard for us to recognize our own lives as unmanageable? And I don't want to go off too far on that tangent because yeah. that's yeah. a, you know, thing for another time. But, right. you know, what, what makes it so hard to recognize our own lives as unmanageable compared to some of the more obvious examples out there, mm-hmm. you know? And it's, it's basically because of what we talked about, I think in the last episode, that, the vice, the viceful man is not understand, uh, able to understand the virtue, yeah. the virtuous man. Yeah. You know, if you were a person who just, you know, if you were a person who lust is a big thing in your life, then you don't even think of it as a possibility. You don't, uh, you can be in that state where you don't even think of it as a possibility that you could be other than that. Right. You can't you imagine know? what it would look like or feel like to right. not be that. Yeah. So you don't think of it as a, as an unmanageable, unmanageable part of your life because you just think that's just life. Right. You know, it's and, and so and how how. You know how easy it is for us to look at the way our lives are mm-hmm. in, in various levels of, of vice-filledness and just think, well, that's that's just the way that life is. Like you just, mm-hmm. I just have to constantly be kind of struggling with this, or right. you know, like, like that. That's that's not even that's not even something that can, that God can heal, right? You know, and it's like, whoa, wait a second, yeah. You know, it, maybe we're not bold enough in right. asking God for healing, yeah. You know, well, and that's why I mean, like a person who hits rock bottom, you know, and they get in a 12 step recovery program. In some sense, we can recognize that they've been given this gift by God that he's, he's allowed them to get into a state that shakes them out of this unreality and recognizes their need for a higher power. Hmm. We don't have to wait around for that. We can make, again, this is gets back to this primary distinction between pride and humility. We, we can allow viciously our, both our, our moments of, of success and our moments of discouragement or failure or sin to be occasions for greater pride. Or we can make both of those opportunities for greater humility and gratitude. Like when, when, whenever we are, are trying to pursue the good and we experience any, any movement in that, that can be an opportunity for giving glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Like, you, oh, you brought me a little bit out of that trench. I can see mm-hmm. better now. I can do, thank you, Lord, for that. And when I make a mistake, well, there I, there I am. I'm weak. I'm in need of healing. Lord, I need your mercy even more. You know, mm-hmm. have mercy on me, a sinner. And it's from that place. See, this is what, this is why I didn't want to let last episode go without doubling around to this. Because okay. yes, yeah. in last episode, actually, before we got on the episode last time, we were talking beforehand about like manly virtue. We were talking about masculine community and iron sharpening iron and that kind of the thing. And this, again, this dynamic between, well, on the one hand, it's it's good and right for men to want to get charged up and take life by the horns and get things done and lead and take initiative. And like, that's all that's good, but it has to be rooted in humility in relationship with God or otherwise the pride will goeth before the fall. Mm-hmm. And so again, another quote for here from Dr. Peter Kreeft, we can contrast pride and despair on the one hand, on the vicious end with humility and magnanimity on mm-hmm. the other hand. Grief writes, high and holy ambition to be a saint is not opposed to holy humility, total reliance on God's grace. Exactly the opposite. 
Ambition without humility is ambition that fails. It is pride which goes before a fall, which is from Proverbs. But humility without ambition is false humility. In fact, it too is pride, for it rebels against God's command to strive for the upward call of God. So, again, what's going on there? So, what we would say there, our analysis would be that humility without ambition, in other words, Oh, I'm I'm just so terrible, whatever, and I'm just going to sit here and not do anything. Like that's not really humility either. Mm-hmm. That's just the pride. That's just despair. Pride talking out the other end. I mean, it's just the same thing. Whereas the humility that accepts God, who is God, and who I am, and God is, I am a sinner, and I'm weak, and I'm a creature, and all I have comes from God, and God is good. He's a loving Father. He's just. My sins are real. He's just, like I, I am I am sinful in his sight, but he's also a merciful, loving father who welcomes me back, who stands me back up, who slaughters the fatted calf and gets me back out there on the playing field. That's who God is. And so it's from that place of humility. That's the one foundational place, humility in the presence of God, through which are a holy magnanimity, which is a virtue that refers to the person who accepts this upward call of God to to go out and do something great, to pursue virtue, to pursue holiness, to try to be a saint. That's good as long as it remains and sprouts out of this fertile soil of humility in God. Mm-hmm. From a, an experience, from an active, effective perspective, <laughs> the experience of that, I think it very much means that they're in the midst of sort of like that riling up of our spirit. There, mm-hmm. there's always this this humble, humble embrace of the peace of moving forward of kind of like yeah. of moving forward in the submissive and humble trust of God, mm-hmm. and of never kind of getting so riled up that we sort of move beyond that and think like, all right, now like I've gotten enough a spiritedness in my spirit that I can kind of begin to rely on that and just sort of right. fully embrace that ethos of just like, no, I'm just going to move forward and do it. And it's going to be great and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, there's always this humble, peaceful place that God calls us to in the middle of that, yeah. because that's, that's going to be the, the foundation of the house that will ride out any storm right. and the storm will come. Right. You know, I, I've been reflecting a lot on Psalm 23 and, and, and one of the beautiful things about Psalm 23 is the the state of the soul that is being described in especially the beginning of that the lord is my shepherd i shall not want want um near restful he waters he leads me to replenish you know my drooping spirit mm-hmm. yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil and mm-hmm. i think of like that that peacefulness of that spirit that mm-hmm. that that peace and place of trust in that spirit is the type is the type of ethos in your soul that can go through the valley of the shadow of death. And I, I think of that when it comes to comparing that and implying that to my own life, I think of the ways in which, you know, I hopefully humbly take little steps to try to dig myself mm-hmm. out of one of those trenches of vices. Yeah. And all of a sudden you recognize just how high those walls are. Yeah. And you think, how can I possibly get out of this? For man you know, is impossible. For man is impossible. Right. And, and so like, and then you're just hit with the storms of temptation and you're you're hit with the the this the temptation to despair and to say and to give up that this is pointless I'm never going to be able to do this all this different stuff and it's like that you just entered into that valley of darkness right. you know where it's just like there there seems like there's no hope of getting out mm-hmm. of that and it's if you don't enter into that as a like in that place of peace as a sheep 
following a shepherd mm -hmm. and that trust in God's love and mercy and his grace to be able to get you out the other side without the theological virtues informing that space. And when you enter into that dark valley, that shadow, when the storm overtakes your house, the foundations are going to crumble and the valley of darkness is going to consume you and spit you right back out, mm -hmm. you know, to where you were. Um, yeah. yeah. So, it, but by yeah. contrast with Jesus in the boat, you can smile through the storm. And if you, if you're a patron of Elevate Ordinary, we'll yep. post a video afterwards of Father Peter and I singing oh, the old Bible school He didn't discuss song, this with me beforehand. Jesus in the boat, you can smile through the storm. But again, that's, that's the thing here, right? The oh, theological gosh. virtues, trust in faith, faith, hope, and love. Trusting in God, hope, putting our hope in Him, not in ourself. Mm. From that place, that we able to, that that love is sort of the form of all the virtues, right? That we imagine the person who's not rushing into battle, trusting himself, or hoping in in his own survival or his own you know life or his own strength, but he's going there out of love. That person, that's that's sort of the quintessential. That's the ideal. Um, Warrior, and so when we're thinking about again the, the the active aggressive life of pursuing virtue, pursuing greatness, we recognize still it has to be rooted in in the context of the theological virtues. Um, again, we didn't mean to build our our life on the rock of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, his his reality, our faith, uh, hope, and our charity in Him. Yeah, so, and you know it's such an easy mm -hmm. thing to say. Yeah, and for us who you know believe in Christ. And know Christ and know how important he is and everything. That can all remain up there, but in terms of really building that means that any initiative you take in trying to take steps forward is always going to be built solidly on that place such that you don't you don't deviate out of it. You mm -hmm. don't follow you don't follow some off of the straight and narrow path, you don't follow some big highway that seems to, you know, be a shortcut or, you know, like a well, I can just forge my own path because I can see it's right over there and I can just get there, you know, on my own or something. It mm -hmm. it really does mean always humbly uh, staying firm on that rock, staying yeah. true to that, 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 that narrow path. Yeah. Um, trusting that even if it doesn't always feel like the most efficient way or the, uh, it feels fearful sometimes because, you know, there's a variety of different things, but it's, it's just, it's, you got to hold on to that. You have yeah. to hold on to Christ. So uh, let's, I mean, we need to wrap it up, but uh, I see our two minute, three minute, practical speed round here. Mm. Again, like what does that look in the day-to-day -day life? It means you start the, the first stone in your day when you think about what your day should consist of, what every day for the rest of your life should consist of is prayer first. That's the first fruits of your day. You give the best chunk of your day. You give it to God. You plan ahead of time how to make that happen. You make it and, and you do it even if it doesn't feel like it's going to be fruitful. Right. You wake up in the morning and you just maybe you feel dead or whatever. You get mm -hmm. your coffee. You're like, this is not helping everything. Oh, I'm not going to get anything out of prayer if I go to prayer right now or mm -hmm. whatever. You do it because you're trying to be faithful to God. Right. And you trust that he is going to make it fruitful even if in the moment it feels like you got anything out of it. That's so right. important, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it may not be first thing of the day for you. I mean, people have different schedules. But the point is the when you plan, when you plan your schedule – yeah. You, that, that's the first consideration is where is prayer going to fit? And I'd say, I mean, I, the ideal is that you begin, sort of begin and end the day in the presence of God. That's a, that's, there's so a reason why so many yeah. spiritual writers recommend that mm -hmm. because you can, you can get up and you can contextualize your life in grace and in the theological virtues and in our Lord Jesus Christ. And then you can proceed out into the day, pursue mm -hmm. virtue, to, to do good, to do your very best, to try to remain in the presence of God but do your very best to attack that day. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the day, 
you look back and say, what happened? What were those moments that I remained and leaned into grace and was able to persevere in virtue? And what were those moments that I lost my peace? I gave it up. I started relying on myself. My heart hardened uh, and I and I reverted back to to pride. And then you apologize for those. You ask the Lord for mercy and you press on mm-hmm. in, in greater humility as a result. And that's the pattern. That's You just do that every day for the rest of your life. You know? Yeah. I've been focusing a lot in my life um, on the bookends of the day. Yeah. Um, because I'm not necessarily super good at those. Yeah. Um, and I know I need to be better. And I know that that only comes to the Lord. But it's the bookends of the day, which they're called, you know, they're bookends for a reason. And, you know, what's the most important uh, when it comes to a book, you know, having an introduction uh, where you lay out the story in a sense, or you lay out the primary characters and the key themes and everything. Yep. And then the conclusion where you bring it all back together, you know, mm-hmm. bring it all down to a close and everything. And when it comes to our life, if I take our life in daily chunks, then the beginning is where you prepare and you ask for God's grace specifically in these ways. And at the end of the day, you, you, you look at the ways that you failed and you look at the ways that, you know, the, you with, with through God's grace succeeded. Mm-hmm. And then you close it off and say, mm-hmm. and prepare for the next day. And uh, it's just, it's really, really important. And if even, you, even if it's just five, 10 minutes at the beginning right. of the end of the day, it's super important to start there. Yeah. So. And if you do that, there's, there's no meaningless days. No, there are no worthless days. Yeah. There are no days that are not ultimately good because if, again, if God brought success in what mm-hmm. you were working on that day, great glory to God, greater humility. If God allowed you in his wisdom, allowed you to make the choice to, to let go of your peace and to, follow your own course and make a mess of things that's still redeemed because God allowed it so that you have this opportunity at the end of the day to say, okay, what happened? Lord have mercy. I'm, I'm going to proceed in greater humility, greater recognition of my needs for God. Like mm-hmm. it can become something awesome. Mm-hmm. It, be, it become this, this moment of conversion when it, if we have a bad day, yeah. if we, but we have to be intentional about it. We have to be conscious of it. It's intentionality, right? You know, yeah. we, yeah. our lives can be, we, for for a lot of people these days, their lives are scripted from day, from beginning of the day to the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, in the sense of like it's a trench in one way or another. It's a trench from beginning of the day. That but that's not when we're talking about trench versus not trench or trench mm-hmm. versus field. It's kind yeah. of imagery that we used in the last episode a little bit. Um, it's not what we're talking about necessarily. You know, like if your life is scripted from the beginning of the day to the end of the day to to a degree, almost never is completely. But even even if it is. It's all it's all about the intentionality that with which you do those things. Right. And then even even in the most yeah, even in the most kind of cut and dried day in terms of like, well, this is what I you know, like maybe you're a person who works twelve hour shift in a factory and like yeah. you you get up and you do a little bit of things and then you go to work and you just work in that factory every you know, every hour of that day and you get home and you have barely you know, barely any time before you just go back to sleep mm-hmm. and then you wake up the next day. Even if it was like that. The way in which you go about every moment of that work in the factory is an opportunity to continue to invite the grace of God to transform your life and to become even an expression of freedom, even in that, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and an opening of the fields. Because the way in which you decide to intentionally go about that work is an opportunity. Um, it's I don't know, I don't know how yeah. to explain it. It's a beautiful thing, you know. Yeah. And, and and I, yeah, I experienced a bit of that in my in myself and just. You have to do a lot of work at the office, you know, in a church sometimes. That, you yeah. know, sometimes you get to a particular day and all it is is just office work. And right. it's like, but there's an opportunity to just be like, 
to either on one hand to say, okay, I'm just going to like, all right, I got to do this, you know, and you're just kind of like following, flowing through that trench one more time of just saying like, okay, just moving from one necessary thing to the next necessary thing without, you know, kind of intentionally doing it. And like but asking the grace of God to help you to get ahead of that, mm-hmm. to make every moment a virtuous action, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, yeah, you just got to do that. Yeah. Oh, there's so much. I have like 15 threads in my head of like yeah. additional contours and folds of virtue that we but we'll talk about them someday we'll get there but thank you again for joining us for this conversation this little chunk that we bite off this phenomenon we're praying for you keep praying for us you know oh we forgot to pray before this episode father peter it could have been so much better we're sorry we're sorry Uh, we'll we'll, (laughs) we'll god's outside of time so we'll pray pray afterwards for now Thank you for joining us for this conversation. Again, as I noted at the beginning, if you like what we're doing on this show, please visit elevateordinary.com. Consider supporting the show, getting special stuff in the community, the Manor at St. Anne's patron community. Uh, You can check that out there and uh, there's uh, special stuff for you. Uh, The best place to get that is via the Awaken Catholic app at theawakenapp.io. Access this show and other shows on Awaken Catholic as well as the patron community and other cool stuff. Uh, And that's pretty much it. Again, thank you for joining us for this discussion. Talk to you again next time. God bless.